0: For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you, and the truth that is rooted
2: within Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Thursday, January the 7th, 2016. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael.
3: Thank you, dear heart, and uh, welcome everyone. We're honored that you're here to join us for Mind Shifters Radio, where we get to uh, continue this conversation about and the practice of and the support of the first-century Aramaic tool of forgiveness, in particular, and all of the corollary tools we talked about on the show just the other day that have developed out of the original forgiveness work. The process that we're engaged in is one of understanding that our minds output realities based on their content, oftentimes little or nothing to do with the world that's going on around us, but it shows us a false picture world, literally, quite literally, pictures painted on the inside of our eyeballs, so to speak that have us believe that what our mind is generating is actually true about someone other than ourselves. We have a measuring stick for telling whether or not something is true about the actual world as the actual creator created it. There's an interesting quote that comes to mind as I, as I think about that. And, and one of the greatest scientific geniuses of all time, Albert Einstein, who knows what insight this man had into the depth of the universe to be able to do what he did and and then to follow up with the the quote that I'm going to give you in just a moment, but few people realize that all of Einstein's work in one of his quotes he says, "Imagination is more important than intellect and Einstein was doing his most important work in the middle of a war where he had no equipment. He was a Jew in, in Russia, or pardon me, in uh, in Germany, and had no lab to work in, nowhere to carry out his experiments. He did his experiments in his mind, in his imagination, which he said was so important. And so, again, I, I say, wh- what depth of experience did he have to be able to say this, all of our science, when compared with actuality, is primitive and childlike. So here's the genius mind of the century, (laughs) perhaps of all time, that says, hey guys, all this stuff we're doing, when compared to what's actually happening. Now, in his quote, if you Google it and you find his quote, you'll see the word reality, but he's using the word reality in the same way that we're using in this work, the word actuality. There's, there's what's actually going on in the universe, and then there's the output of our minds. All of science, all of medicine, all of the stuff we can describe in words is a reflection of what we're Generating within our minds. And what Einstein is saying is what we're generating within our minds, in effect, is primitive, childlike. When we discover what's actually going on. And the mechanism of discovery of that, I would offer, is forgiveness. The mechanism that opens the gateway to experience the actual world, experience who you actually are, thinking that you're this picture in your mind of a body and all the things that you've been told by your culture and your family system the thing that opens the gateway to that is the tool of forgiveness and and that tool means collapsing the false world the world of reality and, and one of the measuring sticks that will tell you that you've got something in your mind that's false that needs to be collapsed is while you're experiencing it, though you've invested a great deal of belief in it, and the belief is probably about how, how somebody else is responsible for you feeling that way. The thing that will tell you that you're caught up in more of a fantasy. With that picture in your mind, is that it's accompanied by some form of hostility or fear. We've been given a warning signal that tells us when our mind is lying to us. And whenever we're in hostility or fear, our mind is telling us a lie. And what forgiveness does is it frees us from the lie by collapsing the false perception, by collapsing the picture that we've created. Yeshua 2,000 years ago called that world. Appearances. He said, Don't judge by appearances. Don't judge by the pictures your mind shows you, especially if you're in hostility or fear, because you're caught up in a world that we could tie Einstein in here is primitive and childlike. When we are able to practice the tool of forgiveness, collapse the false in the mind that opens a gateway for us to walk into the actual experience of an actual human life. And of course, if you're new to the show, our our definition of a human life is very simple. Just hold a newborn child. Do you remember the first time you held a newborn? If you tap into that energy, that's human life. That's where we're designed formulate our picture world that's where it's designed to come from but there's another place that it can come from and that's where the world has taught us to live and that is we have things stored from our generational uh, influences in this body-mind unit or what we call carbon-based memory and carbon based memory is always fighting for attention And looking to provide meanings to things that exist only on the inside, but to try to pretend that those meanings are true about something on the outside of us. The way you tell, a simple test for determining whether or not something you're feeling is on the inside or the outside, whether it's yours or not, is are you feeling it? If you're feeling it, then you know it's yours. You know that the pictures that are a result of that energy moving in you are yours. And we're here to offer you that it is collapsible. And it is collapsed through forgiveness. And each time that you choose to do that, I was talking to someone a little earlier today, and they were the last time I talked to them. They they'd done a couple of intensives back a few years ago, and they just sort of let the work go, and you know, kind of just let themselves get sort of lost in the world of hostility and fear. And I talked to them, oh, well, maybe a year or so ago, and they were like, well, you know, there's not much I can do about it. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not going to get anywhere. I just, you know, well, I might as well just put up with it. And happened to have a conversation recently with this young lady and, and she shared that, you know, something inspired her to pick up the worksheet and she's seeing an opening again. It creates such an opening. I was talking with another lady who was at an intensive we did last year up in Michigan. Hadn't heard from her since the intensive. And uh was informing her that we were getting ready when we talked last. She was uh, interested in doing another intensive. And uh, so I was informing her that we had the two intensives coming up in uh, February in Orlando. And she was like, Michael, since that intensive, my life is just so flowing. And then went on to share all of the just – awesome things that are happening in her world since then relationships money the the work that she does she she's a a healing practitioner and she's just like michael it's just so delightful and shocking and awesome and so it's it's always fun to watch people who take the tools and really put them to work And sometimes it's not so much fun to walk somebody who takes the tools and is slogging slowly through their pain and their trauma, their generational influence, but it's still pretty awesome to watch it happen when you see people come out the other side awakened from the world of trauma and realizing that the world of trauma is an option. It's not a requirement. You know, crazy things happen in everybody's life. Pain and suffering are optional when crazy things are happening. If in your carbon-based memory, your body-mind unit, you have pain and suffering, then there'll be lots of situations that come along that will seem to be the cause of pain and suffering in you. But the cause of pain and suffering in you will never be the situation in your life. It will be what that situation triggers in you. And every time that life triggers pain and suffering, that's an opportunity to forgive, to remove literally go in, collapse the root, to the, and go into the root of the pain and the suffering and to be freed of it. And that's what we're here to support. And we're delighted and honored that you're here to be with us to do that. And let's say hello to Dr. Tim. Is Tim with us, Jeannie?
2: He is, and he's on.
4: Great. How are you, sir? Delightful, charming, having a wonderful day. Glad to be here had a lovely evening last night and sessions throughout the day and looking forward to another support group tonight in Crystal Lake. Ran into somebody this morning at at a business networking meeting and he had posted something on a Facebook page about ego and love. And I went up to him and I said, are are you the guy that posted something about ego and love? He said, yep. I said, well, we should have a talk. (laughs) a little bit later after the meeting, I went up to him and he said, what did you mean by that? I said, well, I do these support groups and this. He said, yeah, I just started reading this book, um, A Course in Miracles, and uh, it's just fabulous. (laughs) I said, well, then we should probably have lunch (laughs) and talk more about the work that we do. And I told him about the radio show. And so always an opportunity, always an opportunity to share the work and, um, it just made me think of the uh, the critical mass and the way this is building and how I've heard you speak in the past couple of years about how 30 or 40 years ago when you started doing this, people would run away from you or they'd sit grudgingly through the whole thing and then leave and you'd never hear from them and they'd be grumbling about how it's crazy. And And these days when you go give a talk, uh the younger people are all keyed into it and tuned on to it and tapped in and ready to go. And I, I think there's a lot happening because of the, the appropriate uses of media for communication and, and I think a lot's happening energetically and it's uh it's a delightful time to be alive. And on the team. Absolutely, I'm in full agreement. I have more and more people talking about wanting the fort, the new four-hour video of why is this happening to me again. So I keep telling them, yes, it's it's coming. And uh, Michael We're and we have it. a list of people who prepaid, so those people can relax; they will they will get their copy and and I keep sending out links to people to watch the first hour free. Thank you for putting that out on YouTube. Awesome. So, That's what's going on for me, just more of the same and running into people who are opening up to this kind of work for the first time. And, you know, it's fascinating to see somebody who's clearly in his 50s, who's just now opening up to work like this. It's delightful.
3: It is pretty powerful to watch, isn't it, to just see those openings occur and, and the uh, the shifts that happen in people's lives. It's just, as I talked to this woman this morning, to her first exposure, you know, a friend invited her to the uh, intensive we did in Pinckney, and so she was in that one-nine-day intensive, and that was it. And it's just like she just flushed into this conversation about, oh, my God, the changes in my life are just so monumental. So it's pretty cool, pretty sweet.
4: I don't know what brought it up, but something Um, reminded me the other day of a few years ago you were out in Oregon and um, one of the Buddhist monks who was connected to the Dalai Lama had you come and give a presentation. Have you heard any more? Have you stayed connected with those people? Yes, actually we've been out there a couple of times
3: uh, since then and uh, he spends time in um, Las Vegas too and back, uh, oh gee, I don't know it's probably two years ago now we were in Vegas and and connected in with him but we do stay connected and and we pretty much have an open invitation whenever we get out to the coast of Oregon we haven't been out there in a couple of years now but we do have an an open door invitation to teach at his ashram so it'll be interesting to see how how that progresses, how that moves forward in the world. It was fun. The last, uh, the last workshop we did with him, I taught the workshop in English, the why workshop and the forgiveness process in English, and he taught it in Tibetan. We had mostly a Tibetan audience, and that was pretty cool. But um, you know, it's like there are irons in so many fires. You know, we've got a gentleman we're talking with right now who's working on an Arabic translation of the book. It's just there's so many different directions that things are going and so many different uh, pieces of the puzzle to get into uh, that we just kind of have to take them in order and do the next piece. And so that's one of the reasons why we're mostly sitting still this uh, this winter to uh, to catch up on those things. So let's check with Jeannie, see if she's got anybody with a hand up in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room.
2: Well, the chat room is just me. <laughs>
1: so,
2: there's not much conversation going on there. Uh, several people on the switchboard, but nobody has a hand up. So if somebody presses one, you're first in line without waiting. Cool.
3: So how can we support you? Who's out there? What's on your mind? If we were sitting in a room alone, what would our conversation be? Well, pretend we're in the room alone. You've got a question for Jeannie. You know, she's doing this process of healing the whole woman and turning that into a book. What would be your question if you're a a female in our audience today. What would what would you want to know from Jeannie that could support you in your process, in your internal work, what's happening in your world? Or you have a question for Dr. Tim. You got a question for me. How can we support you in the use of these tools? What's happening in your world? And how can we help you move it forward? That's what we're here for. If you're in the phone queue and you push one, put a little hand up in the control panel and Jenny will know that you want to talk to us and you can shift the direction of the show toward how can we support you and if we don't have a hand up I had the thought today of talking a little bit about um, the upper and the lower path from the workshop the circle of life and how to play it and in that workshop basically we we take a four by eight whiteboard and literally every inch of the whiteboard is covered with material by the time we're finished it. And it it looks at the fact that for everybody in the world, events happen. Some of those events are not very, uh, what should I say? Happy events. And, What most people do when an event happens, it is what what they consider to be less than a happy event, is they launch into a a conversation about the event or the people or the persons involved in the event and how that event or those people or persons caused them to experience something. And there's where the dividing line comes from, the upper and the lower path. The person who's going to travel the lower path Which guarantees that no matter what happens in life, even if one were to accumulate a billion dollars, they'd be a loser if they travel the lower path. And the place that the lower path starts is an event happens, and I launch into a conversation about somebody else and how they made me sad, mad, afraid, angry, whatever it happens to be. So the lower path starts with holding the breath, denial, and blame. It's somebody else's fault. And then from that issues a whole series of behaviors. And the behaviors are usually geared to try to solve the what's considered to be the external problem. Try to change somebody else's behavior so that I won't have to look at the part of my mind that this event has shown me. And so the person who efforts you know, trying to change the world. Now, that doesn't mean don't ever do something to bring change into the world, but if you're in pain, turmoil, or trauma, and out of your pain, turmoil, or trauma, you try to bring change into the world, you will simply create more pain, turmoil, or trauma. I love how Gandhi said it. He said the tool you use to produce a result always produces a result like the tool. So the person who tries to you know, rage at somebody or force or manipulate people into change is totally on the lower path. And even if they get the change they want, because of the way they've approached it, the energy they've engaged in, they will end up with a net loss. They will end up with more trauma, more turmoil. And so the lower path looks at how people tend to get into, you know, projection communication, this is your fault, how people behave in relationships, and that the relationship becomes, for the person on the lower path, a relationship with bodies, not a relationship with beings. You know, you'll notice how deeply throwaway our society is, and we identify ourselves as a body We become an object and, of course, we live in a culture that uses objects and when you're finished with them, throws them away. How many people have ever done a lower path relationship, themselves or another? And at the spark of one untoward thought or one painful experience, one's willing to throw the partner away. Like they're an object that's now used and we're finished with it, so now we get rid of it. On the upper path, it's quite a different game. First of all, instead of denial, instead of talking about somebody else, the person who's on the upper path is going to take ownership. They're going to take responsibility. They're going to breathe into what's going on inside themselves instead of holding their breath themselves. They're going to begin to deal with the internalized pain that they're experiencing rather than pretending that the world is the cause of the internalized pain. So they're going to apply the tool of forgiveness and then what ends up happening in relationship because the person who applies the tools ends up realizing that they are a human being. They're not a body. They're not an object. They stop objectifying themselves and they stop objectifying other people. So the person on the upper path, instead of having a relationship with the body, has a relationship with the being. And beings aren't objects, and beings aren't throwaways. So that threat of every time something doesn't go my way, I I threaten to throw you away, just doesn't exist in that world. It's, it's a whole different process that occurs. Oh, we're beings. We have eternal relationships. There's no such thing as the ending of a relationship there will always be an energetic link in that relationship. And if one has some form of hostility or fear that they've hooked up in their, in their minds to their brain's image of another, then that dynamic will tend to run the relationship. And as one uses the tool, especially the tool of forgiveness, they are able to disconnect their hostility, their fear, their rage, their grief, their pain, their drama, their trauma. They're able to own those things. They're able to free themselves of it. And why would anybody leave when all that's there is being? And it's guaranteed that you'll never experience in a relationship something that you didn't bring into that relationship. And if you're experiencing it, stop and recognize you knew how to experience that very well before you ever met the person that you're blaming it on right now. And if you're blaming it on somebody, you're right down there on the lower path. If you move to the upper path, it can be painful because you go, oh, my God, this is mine. What do I do with this? Yesterday I was able to blame them for it. Now I realize that I've been through this over and over and over again. This is about me. And so in relationships, one begins to tell the truth and enlist support rather than blame, manipulate, and try to control. So the whole game becomes a different game. One utilizes on the upper path responsibility communication, Gee, I have a reality in my mind that's painful. I'd like to work through this. Would you support me? As opposed to projection communication, you really hurt me and you better change so I don't have to experience this pain again. I love one of the lines of The Course of Miracles where it says, the world contains, and we could use any uh, emotion there. But the line in particular in the Course says, the world contains no fear that you laid not upon it. The world contains no rage, no sadness, no hatred, no vengeance, no pain, no trauma, unless you put it there. And when you realize that and you apply the tool of forgiveness, what happens is... the the tool of forgiveness as it was originally taught in the first century. If you haven't accessed it yet, please go to our website. It's there free. There's all kinds of support for using it, all kinds of instructions, radio shows where we walk people through the process. Just go to whyagain.org. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see a bullseye, a red and white bullseye in the middle of the page. Click on that and you'll have a full set of free instructions for how to engage in the forgiveness process. Download the worksheet, start to put the pen to the paper. And as you do that, if pain, confusion, turmoil, questions come up, we're here to support you. That's the whole purpose of this radio show. There are well over 1300 shows in the archives. We're just getting ready to, uh, to start our sixth year of this radio show. And so every uh monday through friday I, I think there was one day there was one day in the last 5 years where something went wrong with the blog talk radio and we couldn't do a show but otherwise 5 days a week rain snow sunshine um holiday or no we've been doing the radio show and so check into the archives put the tools to work it just makes an awesome difference when you take those tools and put them to work And, of course, if you're in the chat room and you can't chat because you're not a member of BlogTalk yet, it's pretty simple to just simply register with them, and they do protect your information well. It's not used for any other purposes. And Once you've done that, then you can ask questions or carry on in the chat in the chat room. And or if you're in the chat room or you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel, if you call into the uh, the call-in number, which is 646-200-4169, you'll be listening to the show on your phone. And then if you have a question, all you do is push one. Through the magic of technology, that puts a little hand up in Jeannie's control panel, and she'll introduce you by your area code and uh, invite you to identify yourself. And you know, if you're shy... Use somebody else's name. You don't need to use your own name. I don't I don't care. It doesn't matter. We're not interested in identifying you. We are interested in a name just so we can say hello to you and, and uh know what to call you. But call in and ask your question. What can we do to support you? And and remember that there's a a whole community of people that's developing through this radio show and You know, what we know is when it comes to energy, there's no such thing as time and space. And so you've got people from all over the world that are holding this space for you that are literally focused in, have used the tools of forgiveness, have used the tools of the love exchange, are focused in and literally, as you speak on the show, spraying you with the active presence of love and support and caring. And it's pretty awesome to have a community that does that. And so if you're in the phone queue, if you push one, we'll have a conversation. How can we support you? What question do you have for us?
2: Ginny, we got anything happening there? There was a few people popped into the chat room and then disappeared just about as quickly and so I'm still the only one out there. No one has their hand up. So it is a quiet day. I think it is. Hmm.
3: Well, then we'll just get quiet until somebody puts their hand out. No, just kidding.
2: Just kidding. Oh, somebody's hand Dr. just went Tim, up. They you... must have thought you were serious. Oh. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. Area code 618, you are on the air.
1: Good morning. This is Gail from South hey, Central, there Illinois.
3: Well, hey, it's good to hear your voice, young lady. How are you?
1: I am doing well. Um, since we've been talking about tools this week, I thought that I would um ask some questions about some other tools that i haven't heard- haven't heard you mention yet, yes, to get the conversation Please. going on Go um, one of one of one of my favorite tools, and you don't talk about this tool very often um is uh the tool where you take the pencils and put them in the third eye chakra and the um the crown chakra. And I right. heard you talk about this tool about a year ago. Um, I think Richard from Ithaca called in and he was going to an event and he had somebody that he had a lot of um, emotions attached to and Trauma he wanted around, to have right? mm-hmm, yes, and he wanted to have that release before he entered that situation and I took the instructions that you gave and applied it to myself, and then you reintroduced it in Florida at that intensive. But instead of the pencils, you changed it to beams of light, which I thought was very cool. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. So if
1: you could talk more about that exercise, I've been using that. um, I used that before I went to my Christmas thing, and it worked very well.
3: Awesome. Well, great great idea. Thank you for the reminder. That's a uh, a tool that i usually use very situationally when it's you know when it's needed in a a situation it's not something that i've integrated into any given workshop as yet but let's let's just ask the question if there's if there's anybody in the audience that has someone in your life that you know when you think of them you have some form of hostility or fear or attachment and this is a very simple release process actually If there's a problem with this tool, it's that it's so simple that it couldn't possibly work. But I'll tell you that over the years, I've seen monumental shifts in specific relationships, couple relationships, uh, for instance, or relationships with a parent, uh, an acquaintance, when they use this simple tool of releasing emotional attachments. And so... If you've got somebody that, you know, every time you see them, you go into some type of hostility or fear or upset disturbance, that would be an emotional attachment that you can just totally let go of through the use of this tool. And so unless you're driving, we'll ask you to uh, to close your eyes and, uh, and think of someone that you perhaps have some sort of a, an energy going with that would be good to work through. And as you think of them, I'm going to invite you to imagine that I have two beams of light. One of them I'm going to insert through the center of your forehead, right where what people call the third eye is located. And then, and we're doing this to locate a spot inside of your head, the seat of the unconscious where you can let go of attachments. And so imagine I'm inserting this beam of light in through the forehead, and then I'm inserting a second beam of light right down through the top of the crown, So imagine those two beams of light entering, and the place where the two beams of light would meet is the seat of the unconscious, and we're going to ask you to breathe and be centered there in that space. And so I'm going to give you a moment or so to just get centered there. Imagine we're inserting those two beams of light, and the place where they meet is where you want to center your awareness. If you have difficulty centering your awareness, take your index finger of your left hand and touch your right shoulder. And notice your awareness goes to your right shoulder. Take your index finger and touch it to your right thumb. And notice that your awareness goes to your thumb. Take your index finger and put it on your navel. And notice that your awareness goes to your navel. Take your index finger and point to the place where those two beams of light may meet and let your awareness go there. And when your awareness is there, imagine a picture of the person that you're ready to cut attachments to. This doesn't mean relationship. It simply means the things that keep you in negative cycles of emotion. And then when you're ready you're focused in that place, and you have that picture of that person, then remember we've talked about Rukhudakudshya. And Rukhudakudshya is a feminine elemental force in us that, when invited into activity, undoes the effects of our errors and teaches us the truth. And so at this moment, focused in that point where the two beams of light meet, and you've got the picture of that person, Speaking out loud, if it's you're in a place where you can do that and it's comfortable, speaking out loud, invite Ruka to assist you in cutting attachments to this person. So, Rukka, I release all attachments to, and then speak the name of the person whose picture you have in your mind. And breathe. You might notice some energy shifts in your hands or perhaps in some cases a little bit of lightheadedness and they're indicators of release taking place. And so just let yourself breathe for a moment and be with that release. And perhaps when we complete the conversation with Gail if you have something to share with us about that You could uh, just push one and, uh, and let us know. That would be sweet. Otherwise, that's as simple as that tool is. I would suggest that to use it, that it's not something you do, you know, oh, I've got a list of 25 people. I'm going to do them all right in a row, but rather space them and allow the energetic shift that takes place to complete its process before you enter into the use of the tool again. That was a great idea, Gail. Thank you.
1: You are very welcome. That is one of my favorite ones and it, um I was guided to use that before a Christmas celebration um that we had and then I've been guided to use that when I wake up in between sleep and and waking up. I've been guided to use it again on on specific people. And so I Cool. I've tell been us about uh, what happened with your
3: Christmas Tell us what happened with your Christmas celebrations and what shifted.
1: Uh I had it was it, it was great uh we do our christmas the uh, the sunday after christmas and um there's uh um my my father is on his third marriage and there is a lot of um division in the family between my stepmother's family and my family and and um uh it's very strained and very divided in parts of the house. Like I'll go to a part of the house and they'll flee and they'll go to the other part of the house. <laughs> so, um, this particular time, my grandson is old enough to start to communicate with the other younger ones, and um, they were able to play and have a blast and just and have fun with total and complete abandon and that seemed to bring people together and we were able to sit down at the table and play card games and laugh and and have a lot of fun. It was one of the first Christmases um where there wasn't a division and and we and we came together as a family and just laughed and had a lot of fun.
3: Sweet Cool. Well did you have another favorite tool to, to talk about that we have
1: um, Well the next it uh this isn't necessarily a favorite, but um I haven't heard you talk about the mind shifter in a while either.
2: Michael, are you there?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I was
2: wondering how he disappeared. (laughs) I am, but something just went kind of
3: crazy with my phone. Well, you're on there now. That that always happens when I I talk to you.
0: (laughs) I I lost you for a minute,
3: and my phone went a little crazy. So go ahead and say it again.
1: I I said this is not my favorite, but I haven't heard you talk about mind shifters in a while.
3: Oh, okay. Well, mind shifters – Become uh, a favorite for many people, and it's an an awesome tool. And it, of course, we do have a, a DVD of uh, Mind Shifters and uh, Introduction to Still Point Breathing. We actually don't do the Still Point Breathing instructions except personally with folks, but we do share the Mind Shifter tool. Because it can be used so powerfully. And it it takes advantage of the fact that the mind works by the law of resonance. And the law of resonance, simply stated, says this. When two energy fields are in tune or in harmony with each other, there's an exchange of information between them. And the stronger the two fields radiates a frequency or an energy... That's absorbed by the weaker, and the weaker is strengthened as a result. So we're all familiar with a a tuning fork, and I hit a a middle C tuning fork on the desk. I put it in front of a second middle C tuning fork, and the second middle C tuning fork starts to vibrate, and so that's resonance. It's change of energy. If I say, "Don't think about the color of your car," what fires in brain cells? Resonance. Brain cells fire with information about your car and you know we'll get people who uh who've heard me do that before and so the next time i do it they'll go well i'm not thinking about the color of my car oh really and which color car are you not thinking about you can't not think about something if brain cells fire they resonate and so the mind shifter is a written process that we use in order to resonate hidden dynamics so specifically by definition A mind shifter is a thought about an issue in your life around which you have negative thoughts, and it's the opportunity to surface, process, and release the negative thoughts. And so let's say the the example I usually use, the one I use in in the DVD, is for someone who has a challenge with money. And so for someone who's got a challenge with money, I would give them the mind shifter. I always earn twice as much as I can spend. Now, if you handed that thought to most people, most people's first, you know, their instant response would be BS. Who are you trying to kid? And that's because what happens with a mind shifter is through resonance. Whatever is in the mind about that particular topic starts to move, starts to resonate as a result of that law of resonance. So the way the tool is used is that the person who has the challenge with money, I'd be suggesting that they take a piece of paper and divide it in two, and on the left side of the page write, I always earn twice as much as I can spend. And then take at least an hour, preferably two hours, in a quiet space, the phone's turned off, you're totally focused, And write that thought, and then write every response that comes up to that thought on the opposite side of the page. So it might look like, I always earn twice as much as I can spend. And somebody who's had a lot of money problems, their response might be, that's crazy. And that's it. So then write the mind shifter again, I always earn twice as much as I can spend. Who are you trying to kid? That's ridiculous. I always earn twice as much as I can spend. Why, well, that's just so ridiculous. I, I can't even pay my phone bill. In fact, they're talking about repossessing my car. I always earn twice as much as I can spend. Well, I, you know, I come from a family system where we've always been poor. We've always been dirt poor. There's never been enough money to pay the bills. I always earn twice as much as I can spend. That's just so ridiculous. I always earn twice as much as I can spend. You know, when I was a kid, I can remember my parents, you know, they they fought about money and fought about money. That was all I ever heard when I was a kid. I always earn twice as much as I can spend. But that's just so stupid. I mean, I, I can remember being a kid. You know, the last time I saw my dad, my mom and dad had a big fight about money and my dad walked out the door and I never saw him again. Bingo there's a piece of gold of an unconscious dynamic that's just surfaced through the use of a mind shifter and will probably be, for this person, one of their 77 times 70 worksheet issues. And this person will wonder why relationships of money have never worked for them. And what they hold at a hidden level of the mind is the pain of a six-year-old who repeatedly watched mom and dad fight about money and then dad one day disappeared the child felt abandoned knew it had to do with money and mom and so wonders why he's got so much resentment toward uh, mom and why money never works for him because there's so much unconsciousness and such a lack of clarity around it so that's the way that the mind shifter tool works and of course, if you spend two hours doing that tool, you get down to the point where you get into some pretty deep stuff, and and then when you've completed it, you know, it's actually part of when we do still point breathing, we always, or generally speaking, unless it's spontaneous breath work in a, uh, an intensive where stuff's already up for everybody, we'll use that tool first to stir and then get ready to breathe, but... You know, in a situation like the one I just described, we'd be suggesting this young man start doing worksheets around money and mom and dad and separation and losing contact with dad and all of those dynamics. So the mind shifters is used to open and bring to awareness things that are otherwise hidden. And it's the opportunity to touch into those things and start to move through them. And, you know, when people start to do this work, everybody has their favorite tool and there are a number of people over the years who it's like this one is their tool. I remember there's one woman, actually I think we mentioned her just a, a week or two ago. Jeannie brought it up and this woman had done the work for, I don't know, 12 or 13 years. And we were down in South Florida staying at her house. And um, she'd been to maybe five intensives and she would not do worksheets. She would never, she just wouldn't touch them. But she loved the mind shifter tool and used it all the time. And she came to the Sunday. Why is this happening to me again? Workshop we did in Fort Lauderdale, and it was probably at least her probably 25th. Why is this happening to me again? Workshop, and she did her first worksheet. And a few weeks later, she wrote to me. You know, we were back on the road. She wrote to me and she says, "Michael, this is my favorite tool." I can tell this worksheet everything I've never wanted to tell anybody and hidden from myself, and it's become my favorite tool. So it's it's just interesting to see how, you know, people relate to different tools, and as they begin to practice with them, uh, which ones become favorites. I think there are kind of sensitive periods that people have for learning, and a different tool can open that sensitive period on a deeper level at different times in people's lives. So so Great. Great thought for uh, bringing that forward. Is there anything else about the Mindshifter tool to share?
1: Awesome. Thank you for everything that you said. I just needed to hear some review on the Mindshifter, and definitely needed to make sure that I was doing the other tool correct. It felt felt right, and I've been getting amazing results. But I just wanted to hear it again. If that if that makes sense. Um, the other thing that cool. I need some review on is Before-
3: the. Before before we go on to another topic, let me just check in okay. with Jeannie and with Doctor Tim and see if they have anything more to share about mind shifters. Gotcha.
2: No, that pretty much covered it for me. It was excellent. Good review. Doctor Tim, any thoughts on mind shifters to share?
3: Is your mute button on,
4: Tim? Yes, indeed. <laughs> I have two of them, and one so, was turned off, but the other one was stubborn. So, uh, I what's, know come how that goes. Lot, what's come up a lot lately for me with the mind shifters is that when people are doing them, if they get stuck, they want to put the tool away and say, well, that's not for me. And so uh, the willingness to sit and stay for that whole designated period of time and simply keep rewriting the phrase because that's literally building resonance building energy in the unconscious content and i might i might have to take two or three sessions where i don't see like feel like i'm getting much result and then eventually if i'm willing and i keep going back to use the tool every time i write that mind shifter it's adding energy to the part of my mind in the unconscious that's being hidden from me and eventually it'll come forth it'll have so much vibration so much activity so much energy in it that it will break through that barrier of my resistance and pop into awareness and when that happens i have to be willing to write it down no matter how ridiculous it seems no matter how irrelevant it might seem write down whatever comes to mind and what i found in my most powerful mind shifters is that Some of the things I was writing, as I was writing them, they seemed way off the target and irrelevant and like I'm wasting my time here. And by the time I went back and reread all of the content of the Mind Shifter, I began to see patterns that weren't at the surface level. They weren't at the literal level. So, yes, it can happen the way Michael described in his example – where all of a sudden I pop into the memory of a trauma and there's a lot of good material there for me. But it can also happen that if I just keep writing and I let myself go and it doesn't matter how disjointed or unrelated the content is, I just keep track of it and write it down. As I go back and read through that over time, it's entirely possible that I will see connections and patterns that weren't there to be seen by me in the original readings. So that's what I would offer.
2: That did also.
4: Great. Go ahead, Jeannie.
2: I was just going to say it did, it uh, popped. There's been a couple of times when I've done mind shifters and it's like, this doesn't make any sense. And I've actually had to break it down sometimes. Like, for instance, the one that comes to mind immediately is the one that says I'm intuitively guided to inspire the decision makers to provide all the support I need. And I kept writing it and writing it, and nothing was popping up. And and then I just broke the the thing down. It's like, okay, I am intuitively guided. What does that mean to me? And then to inspire the decision makers. Well, who are the decision makers? Sometimes it's it might be like the police or the government or the teachers or the bosses, but then sometimes it might be our own internal decision maker or you know the creator, or parents, or whatever. And then all the support I need. What kind of support is that? What do I feel like I'm not getting? And so sometimes I've had to actually break the whole mind shifter down to get my mind to, to shut up saying, this doesn't apply to me, <laughs> and uh, crack through to the next level of it.
3: Great point. And thanks for bringing that up to I, I hadn't thought of that in the conversation, but yeah, so often, you know, when we do a mind shifters and still point breathing workshop, I always assign people to write for an hour. And after 10 minutes, people get up and start wandering around. It's like, oh, well, I'm finished. It's like, no, you're not. Please go back and take this whole time. And bingo, huge stuff opens if they'll just stick to it instead of the mind wants to avoid. And so, you know, it knows what's coming. So, okay, I can quit now. So... Thank you for bringing that up. That's right on track. Sure is nice to have a team. And Gail, you were going to go on to another topic. Thank you. You're you're just a uh, goldmine today.
1: Well, thank you. Um, The next thing that I wanted to talk about is healing crisis.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because with all this work comes that 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 raise in, or that rise in vitality, and then of course with the the vitality um, being up is is that plummet.
3: Right. Well. So
1: I I in could traditional... I could always listen to Healing Crisis and and getting validation on on that and right. all that good stuff. Okay. okay cool.
3: Well, in the traditionally in, in naturopathic medicine, the process of healing is called a healing crisis or a healing opportunity, or we could think of it as a purification process. If if I've got a house that's filled with dirt, but I've swept it under the carpet and I've swept it under the couch and under the chair, I go out and say, "Well, things look pretty good. Things are cool here," but if I start going through with a vacuum cleaner or a a compressor blowing air through, all of a sudden the filth is going to start to move everywhere and I'm going to get to see what otherwise I had fairly well hidden. Well, in the the system of realizing that this body-mind unit is not a physical device but rather is an energy system, if there are energies – that I don't want to deal with, then I'm going to tend to hide those energies from myself. And the the number one way to hide those energies from myself is going to be to blame somebody else for them. It actually becomes an addiction. Reducing my stress by pretending that what I have to face has nothing to do with me and is all somebody else's fault, is an addiction for many people. It's how many people manage their stress throughout their whole lives, just the use of denial. And so what that leads to is locking all kinds of energies that are off the mark into the cellular structure. Rage and guilt and grief and fear and sadness and hate and vengeance and all sorts of things get locked and hidden away. And when I when I realize that those energies are energies that don't serve me, you know, when you look at this human energy system and you realize that relative to it, there are two qualities of energy. There's what builds the system up, there's what turns a, tears the system down. In the ancient Aramaic, tear-down energy was called sin, which means off the mark. In the ancient teachings, when they said the wages of sin is death, that was not some kind of theological threat. They were just telling you how physiology works. If you put an energy into the tissue structure that doesn't belong in the tissue structure, the tissue structure is going to start to break down. That's just the way it works. If we come from generations of people who live in hostility or fear and have everybody else to blame and their conversations, all about somebody else, always on the lower path, then to shift to the upper path, what's going to happen is I'm going to loosen those energies and as I loosen those energies I'm going to start to become aware of them so on a physical level it can look like any kind of physical symptom I've ever had and low energy on a mental level it can look like any kind of negative thought I've ever had and confusion on an emotional level it looks like any kind of negative feeling I've ever had and depression so that's what healing looks like and seeing as how we're down to just the last few seconds Perhaps we'll pick up tomorrow's show with a little more complete discussion about the process of purification. Thank you for that question. For all those questions, Gail and everybody, you're very welcome. We appreciate you being here. Pass the show along to somebody in the form of an MP3. You can load down from our download, pardon me, from our website and create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye bye. No.
0: Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal, aromatic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. That's www w h y a g a i end dot com be loving and continuously, evolving, continuously.